Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And uh, we're here to talk all things Cubs, although last night that did not involve a Cubs game because, you know, it's in a way, it's like a taste of normalcy, right? The Cubs go to Cincinnati to play a series and rain threatens some portion of the games and at least one of them is uh, rained out. So that is what happened last night. Uh, no game for the Cubs. No, still a TBD on the reschedule. Um, but the Cubs then got to head on back to Chicago a little bit early in advance of their weekend series. And, uh, it, of course, even last night, rain out, not entirely without drama. So, you know, Sahadev, you want to you wanna take, take that and run with it? Yeah, we got Anthony Rizzo, of course, uh, getting a little... Getting a little restless on Twitter, uh, complaining about MLB's protocols. Well, not really protocols, but them sitting in the ballpark for multiple hours uh, when it was clear. I, I think, I mean, it. it's clear that that game wasn't going to happen. That that was, at least in my opinion, it seemed that way. I, I felt so strongly that I drove home <laughs> at like uh, 1 p.m. thinking, there's no point in me sitting around Cincinnati waiting through rain for a game I know is going to get called. Uh, and, and and Rizzo has a point in the sense that we're trying to limit the amount of time these ballplayers are at the park. And it, I, I don't know why that even, at least in, in my history of Cincinnati, when it rains, when the forecast says it rain, it's going to rain, it does. I don't know if there's any science behind that or, or if I'm just being completely anecdotal. But every single time the forecast says like 80%, it's like, okay, that's 100%. For some reason, it always turns out that way in Cincinnati. I know in Chicago we've had incidents. Uh, Craig Council can speak to that. But uh, but <laughs> certainly uh, I, I've noticed that it usually when it rains, it's pretty – I don't know. Do they have better weather tracking devices out in Cincinnati? You you, you may know better Ohio or – they know no, I really think I actually do. Accuracy? It, it's <laughs> anecdotal, but I mean, I do actually think you're onto something that I think. It, but it's in reverse. It's because Chicago weather is just so it changes so rapidly. Okay, um, maybe that's probably there's a geographic element there. Uh, but but yeah, I would say it's a little bit more consistent in in the uh, Ohio Valley. Yeah, and and Rizzo basically said, you know, player safety, MLB. Let's sit around for eight plus hours inside the clubhouse. I'm sure I can find that somewhere in the 113 page player safety protocol. I mean, yeah, hyper hyperbole for sure. I don't think they were sitting around there for eight hours. He was just making a point that this is, this is exactly what we're not supposed to be doing. And it's very clearly, I think he also had a tweet about uh, where's the window that you guys are talking about and tweeted out the, the weather, uh, the radar. And, and it was clear that there was no window. So, uh, you know, I I get what where Rizzo is coming from, and and this should be something that's addressed. Like they need to be, you know, even if they end up looking foolish, maybe maybe they just need to be more aggressive with calling games. And you know, to give them credit, I think it was around first pitch when the game was called, well, scheduled first pitch when the game was called. Maybe I'm wrong on on the exact time, but it was close to that to the point where they weren't sitting around that long, and they probably shouldn't be at the ballpark. Not like Rizzo's the on that first bus getting to the ballpark anyways how long was he actually sitting around <laughs> yeah like his tweet storm of two tweets one of them uh he did at home depot asking about a window um <laughs> but I, I think it is kind of revealing just in terms of even if 
maybe he didn't get all of the details exactly right. I do think, you know, what the players are being asked to do and, you know, what they're seeing across the league in terms of the Marlins and the Phillies and all of the disruptions, like on these Zoom calls, for the most part, everyone presents this United front and says the protocols, the protocols, but the protocols. And it's like this like kind of robotic default setting that every time that like these protocols are are foolproof when they were just kind of whipped up in a couple of weeks by two sides that despise each other historically and um you know i'm i'm just kind of curious when this kind of positive upbeat attitude that the cubs have uh presented on a daily basis like kind of when that starts to fade or if league-wide more players uh just kind of start venting on on social media uh or through other means because um you know once that tweet's out there, it can be taken in a lot of different ways. I thought it was pretty clear that he was talking about MLB and just kind of waiting around. And I think uh, our guy C. Trent in Cincinnati took it as a uh, shot at the Reds and their setup and had an awesome response to Rizzo of like photos of their whatever lounge uh, on the Great American Ballpark uh, concourse. So, you know, it's only one week into the season and they're already kind of, you know, popping off about stuff like this and I'm just wondering like how much longer before uh, players really speak up and kind of maybe look deeper within the protocols and wonder you know kind of what exactly are we doing here yeah I think it struck me in three ways um, just the, ex- the the whole exchange it kind of called to mind three things and we'll see if I can keep them straight in my head um, it, that strains my limit of being able to hold multiple thoughts in my head at the same time in uh in this moment but so uh, one was the thinking that it it was emblematic of increased player comfort in sending out this kind of messaging and that we saw developing um i mean it's of course been happening over the years but you know you get into this zone where we want to increasingly endorse players to be themselves to be a public face for the sport to do all these positive things and a part of that, and we saw it with the negotiations about like what the season was going to look like, is you're going to also have increasing player comfort in, in, like I don't I don't think Rizzo said anything wrong, but like pushing those buttons and putting it out there and applying public pressure and sort of speaking on behalf of the players. Um, and so I I feel like that's an additional part of that that there's that comfort and being like okay well I'm going to say something you know I feel like we're not making the right decision here so i'm going to say something and um i think we'll probably increasingly see that i think also it spoke to the general idea that you know when it comes to postponements and rain delays um you a layer of consideration is that you have home park revenue to think about you have people who may have fans who may have scheduled trips to come to a game so you want to be a little bit careful about quickly calling games because you want to be sensitive to that right well we don't have that this year at all that is, is zero consideration so the earlier and faster you can call things it isn't just about not adding that extra hour or two of wait at the ballpark it's that for like yesterday cubs could have headed back to chicago hours earlier and who knows what impact that's going to have so i, I do agree with that point too um and then the third thing that it made me think about was its relationship to this news that's just sort of coming out last night and then this morning 
I believe Ken Rosenthal has confirmed it, that um, the league is going to announce an agreement with the players that double headers this year going forward will be seven innings, kind of like the minor leagues, um, because there's there's now suddenly an expectation, thanks to the outbreak with the Marlins um, and the trickling effect that that had on other schedules, that we're going to have a lot more postponed games and the need to make them up in a much shorter window of time, which is probably going to mean more double headers in a shorter window than we're used to. And then in turn, you think about player health, both from a COVID perspective and from an injury perspective, what can we be doing to assist in that? And so last night's postponement for the Cubs and Reds may wind up being their first, you know, eventual double header. That's only seven innings per game. Yeah. You know, all this stuff, I've noticed some people kind of, uh, I don't know if it's just general sarcasm or if people are actually upset about it, like calling it basically saying this is becoming like little league baseball or something like that. I, I mean, my, the way I've tried to look at this season is it's not going to be the same. The like, we're already watching them play with the extra inning rule, that odd extra inning rule that, you know, has turned out to be fun, but a man on second to start the extra innings, that feels a little, you know, a little leaguey or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't seem like the big leagues, right? I think if you're, if you've, if we've already accepted this sixty-game season, accepted all these odd rules, you just, you just embrace it. You embrace the oddity of it all. It's not a normal hundred and sixty-two game season. It's not a normal year in any means. So just, just try and embrace it while we can. We have no idea how long this is going to last. How if we're going to get all sixty games in a playoff? So if it's a doubleheader and you get two fewer innings in each in each game, I, I'm not sure if that's that big of a deal. If that's something to be hand wringing about, like it's all like. Health and safety need to be the priority this year. That's that's the number one goal. Get through the season. And if there's some weird things that doesn't feel... If you're going to be a stickler for these type of things, then there's no way you're going to enjoy any of this season. It's just pointless. Um, one other thing that I... In, in addition to, to being at the ballpark for a long time, as far as getting annoyed with the rules... Uh, there was like a little mini rebellion with the Reds as far as the protocols, as far as feeling sick. Because Mustakas and Senzel were out because they felt sick and they never tested positive. And I think they felt they were a little annoyed that that had that, that happened. And I and I am kind of curious what the fallout for that is. Perhaps it doesn't in, uh, impact every other team in the league. But these guys all talk with each other. And, and if you have the sniffles, but you're like, I'm not going to sit out because I, I have the sniffles. You know, I, the Cubs were pretty adamant that they won't, you know, they trust that anyone if anyone doesn't feel well, it's the responsibility upon them to, to kind of say, like, no, this is the right thing to do. I think Brian said he thanked Moustakas for, for being for sitting out those games. So I, I think that's another angle that we, we just need to keep an eye on and, and hope that doesn't lead to bad things where the Reds were without two pretty good players and the game that they did play the Cubs with those two players, they clearly had a big impact and they, they really helped that team win games so uh what type of uh what type of attitude are players going to come in with when they have a you know a slight slight muscle pain and aches you know they have all these detailed questions do you tell them that your muscles are aching that you're that you're achy when it could just be baseball day-to-day aches and and you're gonna have to sit for multiple days uh just another wrinkle to these protocols that that may lead to some restlessness with the players yeah, it's hard to believe we're only one week into the season. I mean, personally, it feels 
a lot longer than that and i haven't I didn't even go to cincinnati uh we're not standing around the clubhouse for hours at a time loitering and you know not sitting through rain delays uh in cincinnati and i think you know david ross you know put it well when someone asked him he's like this is a mental grind every single day and i think uh some of that tension that you're going to see that you know brett had had mentioned on twitter is like these the people who are you know putting themselves most at risk the people who are in uniform or the you know trainers who are you know, working to get players ready every single day i think for them um there's this burden that you know the the owners don't take on that the most of the front office certainly they feel a a responsibility day to day, you know, no doubt, but, you know, kind of the people that are in that clubhouse, I can only imagine how long this week has felt, uh, for them. Um, when, you know, Tommy Hadovy describing, you know, kind of waking up on Monday, uh, flying out the first day of a series, which is like a triple a move um seeing all this news about the marlins you know being on a flight with everyone uh wearing masks you know kind of landing in cincinnati and knowing that uh the only two places you're going to be for four straight days are the hotel or the ballpark i mean nico horner said he literally has not done anything else uh during that road trip so uh rizzo when he kind of does stuff like this it's usually not accidental uh, I would imagine he probably looked around at some of his buddies in the clubhouse and said, Hey, should I tweet this? And I'm sure he got a lot of encouragement. That is just kind of my guess. Uh, he enjoys, you know, stirring it up and, uh, he usually kind of solicits some feedback, uh, on that. So I don't think he was like going rogue or only speaking for himself. I'd imagine, uh, there's, you know, a a lot of restlessness, a lot of frustration, and, you know, just a lot of uncertainty, you know, every single day they, you know, wake up and, you know, go to work. Well, clearly these guys just need a beer (laughs) as we do, you see, because I got an idea for them, an idea for the listeners, because what you can do is you can get a dugout mug and you can pour the beer in there while you're waiting out a rain delay I mean, it's a weird year. I don't want to encourage players to to do the chicken and and beer thing, but, you know, could you blame them? Uh, But you guys can do it. You listeners, you can get yourself a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug from Dugout Mugs. They're officially licensed by MLB. Gets your favorite team laser engraved on there, and uh, it's perfect for watching the game, just putting on display in your office. Uh, giving as a gift to someone else. So go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use the promo code MLB30 to get 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and the code is MLB30 uh, to get your 30% off. So enjoy that. So um, transitioning a little bit from, I mean, these are all related topics and this will pull it back more to the Cubs roster in particular. We're a week away from the planned drop down from these expanded 30 man rosters to just 28 and the thinking before the season was okay you know you start at 30 because we know that pitchers aren't going to be quite as stretched out so teams are going to need more expanded bullpens the cubs certainly have expanded they've got 11 relievers uh right now Uh, but 
now knowing that more games might be postponed, that they're already making changes to the way double headers are going to look because they think there might be more. There's also chatter of, okay, maybe should we not shrink rosters back down from 30? And uh, so that's possible that nothing has been decided on that, but it's possible that's going to happen. And I've been thinking about that in relation to the Cubs and their bullpen. And even if you have a bullpen that is not stable, I'm not actually sure it is a unique benefit to the Cubs to be able to maintain a larger bullpen because I could be convinced on this. Maybe you guys have a different perspective, but it's like, if you already don't know who your established guys are going to be and in what roles you're kind of just, the more guys you have in the bullpen, it's just like a different roll of the dice each time. It isn't like, Oh, there's more guys. So there's more chances to get stability. Well, you only have so many games. So like each game, you're just like picking a guy and it's like, okay, let's see how he does. Okay. And then you're a month down the road and Dan Winkler has five appearances. It's like, okay, did, was it really helpful to have 11 relievers or would it have been better to have eight? And then you're like, oh, this guy has 10 appearances. Oh, okay. I got a little bit more comfort. So I I don't know what I think about that in relation to the Cubs in particular. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think just the example that you gave, I I don't know what Dan Winkler is yet. Right. I have no clue. I know Twitter is ready to send them all out. Right. They're, they're done with each and every one of them. Just get rid of all of them. Uh, you know, I don't care if, uh, you know, Braylon Marquez or Burl Caraway. I don't care if they have, you know, no little, <clears throat> little to no professional experience. Just get them up to the big leagues. That's what Twitter wants right now. I'm sure uh, Brett can attest to this to the commenters at Bleacher Nation as well. Uh, they don't want to see a single one of these guys again. So, <laughs> so yeah, th- th- in a sense, I, I, I completely agree with you because we probably had more. Dan, just to stick with Winkler, more uh, appearances from him. We'd, a weekend, we'd, we'd know a little bit more about him. I don't know, just in general with this bullpen, I don't know. I, I think there is something to be said for having so many guys and trying to mix and match. All you're doing is extending uh, the, the process of trying to figure out who the legit pitchers are in this group. Uh, so, so maybe there is something to be said for smaller rosters, but... Uh, there's no doubt the Cubs kind of need it in the sense that uh, when you're using seven guys, was it in a game? You're you're going to uh, you're going to need to to refresh the arms a bit. So uh, I don't I, just I, I know we're not specifically talking about the issues with the Cubs bullpen, but I I don't think there's a there's the right way to go about it is to judge everybody right now. Uh, there are some pretty clear pitchers there's some pretty clear instances of guys that it just isn't working right now and I understand that a, a guy like Dylan Maples with in my opinion I kind of when I see him come in it's like you're gonna get one of two things and one of them is extremely bad and and we saw that the most recently uh the most recent outing before he was demoted back to South Bend uh, satellite roster. So uh, I, I feel like maybe you get some information in this first week but overall it's the, it's it's all been bad information. I know that for the most part with the Cubs bullpen, but we don't have a full like kind of uh, inventory of what's going on there, in my opinion. And let me plug real quick, uh, since you mentioned that we maybe aren't having a deep, specific conversation about the Cubs bullpen, but you did, um, you know, Cubs rained out last night, so it's still the most recent look. You had a little conversation from David Ross on that. 
uh, and some, in particular, walk-related issues for this bullpen. So, folks, make sure you check that out and go to theathletic.com slash onto Waveland. Aha, got it in there. And you get 40% off uh, right now. So go read Zahadev's thing. All right, now you can say stuff, Mooney. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. I'm trying to think of uh, new creative ways to say the Cubs bullpen is terrible. And I, <laughs> I feel like on some level it is just like super enjoyable to just complain about the Cubs bullpen and hear people venting about that because it's like feels uh, somewhat – normal uh and i keep thinking back to like you know joe madden kind of shrugging his shoulders being like just run them back out there and like the <laughs> like sometimes there are no good answers and it's like interesting to see that happen to david ross in his first week on the job of just everyone losing their mind about the <clears throat> cubs bullpen i'm with you zahadev on dylan maples if it hasn't happened now with the cubs it, i don't think it's ever going to happen i think there's an element of <clears throat> kind of you know players revealing themselves and kind of making these uh decisions easy like a process uh of elimination i still think you know someone like kimbrell i keep thinking about what we were talking about last time that you know to totally write him off right now seems really short-sighted not one they don't really have any other uh good options but you know it'll it'll be i'm really curious to see kind of what comes out of uh, South Bend here. You know, we've been talking about it for years, the Cubs, you know, changes to their scouting and player development systems, the technology that they've in invested in, how they, you know, feel as good about their or better about their, you know, overall pitching depth than they have in years. And it's like, okay, well, let's see it. Like, you know, there's going to be, a ton of opportunity here. I still think there's probably going to be some guys that emerge that we are not really thinking of or talking about uh, just yet. But I mean, no doubt you can already see, you know, where if this season happens, like where it goes wrong, it's going to be the bullpen. Yeah. I think um, a layer and I still haven't necessarily landed anywhere on this, but a layer of the consideration when you have, people uh like Sahad have mentioned um aggressively crying out for Braylon Marquez or Burl Caraway to be the saviors and part of that's just fans they want the the hot name and it's fine I get it and I got no beef with that but more realistically it's like what Mooney's saying that I mean there are guys at South Bend who are interesting legit plausible options to shuffle back and forth and yet you feel like there's a reason the Cubs went with, they had 11 options for the bullpen and they went with the 11 guys they went with. Um, and so, um, you know, we've already seen Colin Rake is coming up now in replace of Dylan Maples. Um, and I wonder to what extent, this is what I was talking about initially, like, I, I am not endorsing service time games. I'm not, I don't mean it in that way. But you do have to consider that in this weird season um, where you don't know if the season, for example, might get shut down in a week. And it's like a guy like Burl, well, he's not even on the 40-man roster. And imagine a world where you're like, okay, let's, let's, let's just do it. Let's just do it. See what he can do. You bring him up. You put him on the 40-man roster. And then the season gets shut down completely. And now he's on the 40-man all off-season long. And you've limited yourself pretty significantly in your flexibility. I just wonder 
and this is going to pertain to transactions, you know, hey, today's July 31st. Usually this would be the trade deadline, right? And that's coming up on August 31st. I think teams are going to be extra sensitive to things that impact the roster in longer lasting ways because of the uncertainty of what this season is. And so I, I suppose I would just endorse to folks listening, like it or lump it, you're going to have to think about that when it comes to, you know, starting the clock on Marquez or adding Caraway to the 40-man roster. I, I just think those are going to be considerations in connection with what does this season look like? Because if we knew we were finishing it, if we knew the season was going to go, knew the postseason is coming, I am with David Ross on the, if they're handing out a trophy, I want it. Totally, on, I, I would love to see the Cubs win this because I think it would be special in its own way. But I do think we have to live in that reality that we might not get there. Well, one thing on Marquez is uh, the 40-man consideration won't be a big deal because he needs to be added in the offseason for the Rule 5 protection. But obviously, yeah, you know, there are service time considerations that they say they aren't considering that they certainly are, right? Uh, so I'm curious, I, you know, I'm curious how they value that right now, more so or less so. Uh, I would guess with the risks entailed of a season ending and – and just the randomness of it all, uh, maybe more so. But yeah, there's there's no doubt that uh, it's impossible to look at this group and feel good right now uh, with the bullpen. As optimistic as I am about specific relievers, there's probably about you know uh, four guys that I'd say like, okay, I can see where this gets better, and they're and they're very you know either somewhat to very helpful with regards to the bullpen. Uh, and that's probably four more than uh, Twitter feels <laughs> that way about. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's some reason to say, like, okay, let's just wait. But also um, the panic is legit and, and shouldn't be dismissed. Uh, that's for certain. Uh, and, and not to – I don't know. This isn't panic or really even concern but the offense is doing great, right? There's the outside of maybe Bryant who even contends himself that he's hitting the ball hard. And I was looking at some numbers and he kind of is, he's hitting the ball pretty hard uh, when he's making contact. The Cubs are striking out a ton and they're not walking very much. And I, I don't want to make it too big of a deal because they're crushing the ball when they do make contact. They're, uh, they're one of the best teams when it comes to hard hit contact. And I also don't want to make a big deal out of it because it's uh, six games. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to analyze small samples right now. I guess is my point. Like it doesn't make any sense. It's very difficult to say. Well, it's only been a week when it's ten percent of the season. So, so I don't. I don't know if it, that matters right now. And it, it, and all. And I know it. It's not enough games for that to say it's stabilized. But it is one of those numbers. The both walk and strikeout rates do stabilize pretty quickly. Outside more quickly than like hard hit rate or slugging which the Cubs are, I believe, at or near the top in both those categories, hard hit and slugging, which is great, uh, but I want to see them reduce the swing and miss. So it's the one one thing that I'm looking at when I when I watch the Cubs right now that in an area that's going really well. I just want to say, like, whoa, let's pull back and, and just let's see how real this offense is. Uh, I do like the way a lot of these guys look uh, on offense – but I, I just want to see a little bit more, uh, you know, a little less of the strikeouts. Luckily, it's not coming in huge situations for the most part, and they're really bearing down. It seems like in, in 
in the uh, quote unquote clutch situation. So we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, you'd you'd want you want. I guess what I'm saying is, if there's a trend that you want to kind of see switch with the offense, it's just just get back to the actual grinding at bats, leading to the positive results uh, consistently. And and you obviously want the bullpen to completely transform. Otherwise, it's all of this is a waste of time to discuss because it it is. I I mean I know Cubs fans haven't see uh, have are used to like an iffy bullpen, but there's nothing that's more demoralizing for a club when the starting pitching is going well and the offense is going well, and you continually have to eke out wins or lose games because your bullpen can't take care of business. That is absolutely demoralizing that Cubs team the first 10 days last year was demoralized it that they that they put it together and got back on a hot streak says a lot about the group I think but but man was it tough to be around that group during that those first like two weeks because they were not happy when when your bullpen is costing you games and it, it games that you should be winning that just that's just really tough on a group we love doing this at the athletic Brett loves doing it at bleacher bleacher nation of just like becoming obsessed with what's next. And I feel like the South bend alternate site, like allows your imagination to run wild. Like Burl Caraway is just absolutely killing it there. Like we don't have box scores <laughs> to look at. We don't have like three second grainy minor league clips to go crazy about. And this is nothing against Burl, who was great on our podcast and looks like a supremely talented pitcher. But, like, this guy got one out two years ago for Dallas Baptist. And this year he got nine and a third innings in. Like, that's it. So I think dropping him into pandemic baseball one week into the season maybe <laughs> uh, could be suboptimal, as Joe Madden would say. Um but yeah, I mean, if this season kind of keeps running and, you know, whether it's him or Marquez, I think you kind of owe it to David Ross and those guys in the clubhouse. Like if they are that good, if and if they're exactly what this team needs, I think anyone who knows what the next labor deal looks like is totally guessing or what the Cubs financial financial picture will be come like, November uh, has you know no great clarity uh, in that regard either. So you know if if it's Caraway Marquez guys we aren't even you know thinking about yet. I think you know if they kind of you know open up enough eyes there if they get great reports on them. Uh, certainly love to see them. I'm just not sure if uh, they're the answer as much as you know Craig Kimbrell actually. You know, being maybe not the seven-time all-star we've seen over the years but him just being a competent reliable closer and then you can kind of work backwards from there well back at it this weekend uh the cubs uh, head back to chicago they host the pirates this weekend um and uh, you darvish's start uh was pushed back so he's he's still taking the ball he'll just take the ball tonight um, and we will be back at you next week after this pirate series. And it is all tiny samples, but I'm sure we will have more thoughts for you on the ways that the three games against the pirates fundamentally changed our understanding <laughs> of the bullpen of the offense. Well, real uh, quick, one... Brett, sorry to interrupt, but there's, 
I know I, I can tell you're you're getting ready to wrap it up and leave it yeah, there. I, I had that voice going. <laughs> yes, that was it. Uh, I just want to say that this is seven games. If I'm remembering the, it's seven games. It's Pittsburgh, then four against KC, two and two. Am I right? So it's seven straight games against bad teams. They got bailed out in a sense of not facing Luis Castillo. This could be a nice little stretch for them. That's all. I just wanted to say that if if you were in the least bit worried about that Sonny Gray performance, they're not going to face a dominating pitcher. Yeah, maybe some unfamiliar pitcher will will shut them down, but they don't face a dominant pitcher again until maybe they face uh, the Cardinals, right? So so they get a little bit of a break here. No Luis Castillo. The, the the bullpen get has a chance to, to kind of reset perhaps against some lesser competition. I think this is an interesting stretch to say like, okay, get healthy, get going, pad that division lead, pad those win stats and, and hope that, you know, you can figure some things out. I think it's a, it's a good stretch for them to kind of build the confidence and hopefully find some footing for that bullpen. That's all. I, I just wanted to point that out because I think it, it could turn out to be a pretty big seven game stretch where you should be able to beat up on lesser competition and, and you totally got bailed out of not having to face Luis Castillo. Maybe that would have been a nice test for an offense that's kind of clicking against a great pitcher like that. You, you had a chance against Gray, but I just, I'm, I'm curious to see if they can really uh, take advantage of this little stretch here. Right on. And of course, it's it's also true that, you know, going four and three over any stretch, when you do the math, it's like, oh, that's actually pretty good, especially when eight teams are making the playoffs. So, but as you said, you'd like to see a little bit better in these seven games. So we'll see. Um, thanks, as always, to you fine folks for listening. Thank you to Patrick and Sahadev. Uh, check out their stuff at The Athletic. Remember, Go to theathletic.com slash and you're getting 40% off your subscription if you're not a subscriber. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And this podcast, you can grab anywhere you get podcasts. So rate, review, subscribe. We're on to Waveland. We will talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.